0: Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Kosowski, here with my favorite co-host, as usual, and my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hi, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Good. So, we got a busy show. Big focus on the TIFF Next Wave Film Festival, which is running from February 14th to the 16th. All the screenings are at the TIFF Bell Lightbox. And this is, you know, next wave as in, you know, here come the new filmmakers, the new stars, the people that you you should be paying attention to. So it's a great insight, you know, into the beginning of people's careers or towards the beginning of their careers. And it's a festival that is free for anyone 25 and under. So as you can probably guess, some of the things are already like rushed, but that doesn't mean there's no hope, you know. So, you know, go to tiff.net and check out what you can. And if it's rushed, you know, take your chances because I think you're going to really enjoy this festival. So I had the opportunity to speak with the program manager, Steph Guthrie. And so here she is to talk a bit about the highlights of this festival. The TIFF Next Wave Film Festival,
1: one thing that I really like, and I think a lot of people are going to be really interested in, is the behind-the-scenes aspect of the festival. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, mm-hmm. let's talk about the organization of the festival. Who, who's actually putting this festival on?
2: Right. So there's kind of two teams involved with that. There's the staff here at TIFF, who are involved with all the logistics of putting together uh, a three-day festival, which is quite a lot of bits and pieces. Um, And then, of course, there is the TIFF Next Wave Committee, which works with me and my colleague, Ikoro Huggins-Warner, to program the festival. So the committee is a group of 12 uh, passionate film enthusiasts. Uh, They're all between the ages of 15 and 18, and they go to high schools around the GTA. Um, They come to it from all kind of different interests in film, some of them are uh, directors. Some of them are actors. Some of them are interested more so in analyzing film. Um, but they all they all come to it with like a real thirst for film and media. And um, they've programmed a really fantastic lineup of uh, 12 features in our official selection. We've also got five uh, sort of throwback films in our Growing Pains movie marathon. Uh, and they also work to select uh, over a dozen short films. For our young creators showcase, and those are uh, directed by filmmakers kind of in their age bracket—all directors under the age of 25 from across Canada.
1: Mm-hmm. So there must be a lot of variety in opinions.
2: Right? Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So does it get? Has it gotten a little? Oh, you know, <laughs> just say Lots of debating. Oh, there's definitely. Um, I mean, I would say uh, there's. There's always a sort of uh, healthy, healthy, constructive disagreement happening in our, our discussions about the films. And I think that's actually uh, an important part of the programming process, you know, because um, it helps us to uh, not only to understand what... Um, what a film has to offer but how it kind of fits into the larger lineup. Um, And they, you know, being 12 passionate teenagers, they have very strong opinions uh, and it's definitely been... Really exciting to kind of facilitate those conversations with them and to see uh, what issues they're really passionate about. Um, we actually had a really fun one of our last meetings before we totally locked in the lineup. Um, we had an amazing conversation with them where we uh, were trying to choose the last three films for the lineup, and we had we went through all the films that were currently in our kind of maybe pile, and we had each of the committee members kind of make a case for a film and why they thought it should be included. So that was a really uh, great way to kind of see their tastes come through.
1: Mm -hmm. What a great learning experience also. Yeah, it was. To have to defend your your choice, your decision. Absolutely. um, It makes you really focus on the aspects of of film or films that you really... Believe in or really are are inspired by
2: absolutely. You know they're very um, they're very critical thinkers, uh, and this exercise was a really good way to kind of attune those sensibilities uh, toward what they're willing to fight for when it comes to a film. You know, so that was great.
1: Great. Okay, so you mentioned also that there's other let's let's save the films.
2: Sure, for, we'll save
1: that for later. Yeah, save okay. that for later, and let's talk about some of the really interesting stuff that's also going on mm-hmm. as part of the festival right and one thing that that caught my eye immediately was an in conversation evening uh, program Mm -hmm. that uh, features someone who's really hot right now yes the star of waves himself Kelvin Harrison jr. yes So, tell
2: me about that. Oh, we were so thrilled when we confirmed that Kelvin could participate. He, um, Waves, was uh, one of the films that Next Wave, uh, that the Next Wave committee tagged at the Toronto International Film Festival back in September, Uh, and they really connected with Kelvin's performance in this film. Um, Some of them had also uh, had seen his his film Loose, which was really incredible, and uh, his performance in It Comes at Night. uh, I'm a big horror fan, so I really enjoyed that one. And uh, so when um, when when we were discussing possible uh, guests that we could invite for the In Conversation with, his name was uh, right at the top of the list. So when we confirmed that he could do it, it was really happy news for everybody. Um, he's also, he's, uh, you know, back at the festival in September, he was part of our uh, Rising Stars program on the TIFF industry side. So it's really nice to kind of bring him back and engage him in a more in depth conversation about his creative process and I mean he uh, chooses some really kind of uh, socially charged roles Um, so we're really looking forward to unpacking you know what what motivates him as an artist that's amazing yeah and that conversation will be moderated by Jordan Sawunmi who is the programmer of Boozy Fade Uh, Ah, yeah
1: that's amazing okay Um, so there are other things that people can also do besides watch films Uh you have these great programs
2: do you want to tell us about them? Definitely. So um, on February 14th, uh, aka Valentine's Day, we have um, the Young Creators Collab, which is kind of like a one-day industry conference geared toward young and emerging creators. Um, so that session, you can, get, uh, you can get a ticket for the full day for only $15. And there are sessions including there will be a masterclass with Tyresha Poe, who's the director of one of our official selections, Sella and the Spades. Uh, she's a really exciting creative voice so we're really looking forward to delving into uh, her project with her and what we're going to be talking about is um, what it feels like and looks like to translate your project from, you know, a feature to a series which is what she's doing right now with Sela and the Spades for Amazon. Um, We are also going to be doing a panel on music videos and how that's a really great way for uh, an emerging creator to kind of test out bold creative ideas and develop new skills. Uh, We're also going to have a panel and speed networking session focused on distribution and navigating the festival circuit so you know Very once yeah. right like once your film is, is created that's great but okay how do you get it out there how do you get people to see it that's so in itself. it sure is and sometimes it can take even longer than the actual process of creating the film right so um, so we've got folks from Mongrel Media and Pacific Northwest Pictures who are going to be coming out for that um, it's going to be a really full and exciting day and we're going to cap it off with a table read of a uh, film scripts submitted by the people who are coming to the collab. Amazing, so, yeah. Amazing.
1: Uh, this is um, must be a really exciting time to be a young creator with um, the, with the TIFF Next Wave Festival and all the programs you do, as well as what other people are doing in other initiatives. Mm-hmm. But in terms of your, of your festival, you must see how people have, or the programming for the young people has developed over the years, and how it's just opening up doors.
2: Yeah, I mean, young people are, uh, we're so fortunate in Toronto, there's a ton of programming out there to support young creators across a variety of different uh, art forms. Um, So we're, and we've gotten to connect with so many of them. We're also doing, uh, on the evening of February 14th, there's Battle of the Scores. So that's going to engage young voices in music, bands under the age of 25, and they'll be be competing to see who can create the best live score for a three-minute silent short film. Film. I love uh, that. Yeah. No, it's super fun. It's kind of like Battle of the Bands, but with a bit of m- movies injected into the mix. But
1: also silent films. Yeah, totally. That's, that's a great, I mean, it's such a great, there's a great history when it comes to silent films and live accompaniment. Absolutely. And now to introduce that to a younger audience. Oh, if totally. If haven't been introduced already. Uh, It it sounds like it'd be really exciting.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're really looking forward to it.
1: Great, and so, okay, so the things also that we're excited about are all these great movies Yeah, that you have officially, it's in your official film selection. Mm -hmm. So, I know it's kind of like asking, you know, who's your favorite...
2: Who's my favorite child? You can't ask me that. (laughs) Who's your favorite child? (laughs) I mean, I have so many favorites in this lineup. One of the things that that we're really proud of is that a majority of the films are are, uh, it's the director's first narrative feature so a lot of uh, brand new voices that we're really excited to showcase. There's um, well, as I mentioned earlier uh, Tyreisha Poe who directed Sella and the Spades um, and she'll be there in person. Also Emily Cohn who, uh, so Crushed is her film that'll be showing at the festival. That's a really fun, um, it's about three young women who are basically trying to get laid and uh, (laughs) social media plays a really interesting role in that story and uh, Emily Cohn will be there in person as well um, and uh, and then we've also got films uh, Sequin in a Blue Room by the filmmaker Samuel Van Grinsven uh, Take Me Somewhere Nice by Anna Uh, and but all of those films are by directors who are kind of in their 20s or early 30s so really exciting new voices and then I think one of my favorites in the lineup um, is this Incredible South Korean film by the director Bora Kim. It's called House of Hummingbird, and it's a really uh, sort of nostalgic film about a young woman. She's 14. It's set in the 90s, and she's just kind of she's kind of lonely, and she ends up connecting with a mentor. And that film's very quiet. It's very um, you you really. Get almost inside the protagonist's skin in that film Uh, there's a real intimacy to the lead performance and uh, that one's already it's been very popular and it's already off sale but if you want to see it you can rush it there you go so let's remind people that it's uh, free for people under a 25. That's right. If you're under 25, uh, any of the official selection films are free to attend, as well as the Young Creators Showcase. Uh, And if you're 25 or over but a student, you can show your student card to access that pricing as well. Um, And uh, we also welcome folks who are 25 and over, uh, whether they're students or not. We just have to pay. Uh, You just have to pay. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, uh, you know, and um, we also I think part of what this festival can offer, I mean, it really centers young people and their experiences, but it also kind of invites older people to, uh, to take a peek at what young people are dealing with these days and uh, to experience that in a really visceral way through the films. That's perfect. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Okay. So that was Steph Guthrie. She's the program manager of the TIFF Next Wave Film Festival running February 14th to 16th. And um, so now Courtney and I are going to talk about some of the films. So we'll start with Crushed, right, Courtney? Yeah, that's a good one to start with. So Crushed is a film by Emily Cohn, and it's Gone Rush. It's showing on Saturday, February the 15th, so it's coming up. Um, It has Gone Rush, so I would still take your chance. I love this film. This is, like, very inventive. It's a story of a college freshman and her friends, two best friends, and they're trying to, like, you know, navigate college life, but um, one of her main concerns is trying to lose her virginity, um, and so it's like this really intricate kind of scheme because there's there's this party that they they're trying really hard to get invited to, and you know that will help them meet boys, or girls, you know whoever that will help them meet their crushes. I like it like because of the inventive style. It's it's very playful, and I think that really goes along with. You know, because it's comedy and it's like, a, you know, sex and it's about women, young women, you know, like following their their urges like they're they're just being so open and honest about their sexuality and they're taking charge of it. And so the playful style, I mean, it's got a bit of a video game aesthetic to it, but also uh, kind of a heightened social media. It's really brilliant. I
3: didn't love the film like you did, but I I love the style of it. I love the inventiveness of it, the way how it incorporates split screen and bright colors. And it, as you said, it's very much a, a film that's geared for the social media generation. So you have people um, reading out texts and emojis. Um, and there's a, there's just a lot of style to it. I think for me, the story Didn't quite work for me because it's very similar to Book Smart, Olivia Wilde's uh, comedy of the same themes. And for Olivia Wilde's film, you have young girls who are in their last year of high school and wanting to lose their virginity. Whereas here, these girls are freshmen in college and i understand like especially for the main character it's it's a personal thing of feeling inadequate that she hasn't lost her virginity but the whole time i kept thinking you guys are in college and but the way how you're acting you're acting as if you're still in high school like i i didn't feel that you know if she was a a virgin going into her sophomore year of college it would be A a huge deal because as we see throughout most of the film in college everyone's kind of just doing their own thing Mm -hmm. so I like the friendship amongst the the three leads Uh, I like the casting but I just there was just something about the story that kind of kept pulling me out so some of the humor didn't quite land at the same time I still want to see what director Emily Cohen is going to do in the future because she's got a really great visual eye and there's a certain style to the film that I that I appreciate and want to see her delve more into
0: Right, right. Yeah. I guess it didn't bother me that they were freshmen, because because they're freshmen. So it's basically, you know, uh, the year after the last year of high school. So it didn't bother me that much. And in fact, it made it, it made me understand the urgency more. And I, that way, I appreciated the humor of it. Instead of turning it into this melodramatic, oh, my God, I'm in college. It it was just done, you know, playfully, um, and it, like in a great spirit, in the spirit of, okay, I'm going to take charge of things now. I'm going to make this happen because it's important to me. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because social media, I've never seen it used this way, right? As an entire aesthetic. And I thought that, you know, what a great reflection of our time to to be able to use what we're we're all taking for granted in terms of, you know, Instagram, the Instagram aesthetics and, and all that, and make a film. They have a whole aesthetic that a film is driven by. But I think we both agree it's a good film to, to go to, right?
3: Yeah, it's definitely one to, to see at this, this festival.
0: Okay, so you saw another feature.
3: Yes, I saw Angel Fish. It's a film from director Peter Lee, and it's a romance that centers around this young man who lives in the Bronx, and he's kind of had the responsibility of taking care of his younger brother, who's constantly getting in trouble and hanging out with the wrong crowd, and trying to keep his mother, who's a bit of an alcoholic you know still wants to live her party lifestyle in check and he's you know trying to work and make a better life for himself and possibly leave the community but he also falls for this girl who's of puerto rican descent and she has her own problems she has a brother who has special needs her mom's working around the clock so she has to kind of you know again burden a lot of the the load at home so it's about these two young people coming together trying to navigate all the the stress that's coming around and then you also have a bit of racial tension where she's the Puerto Rican is considered quote-unquote from the wrong side of the tracks and there's a lot of over and subtle prejudice that goes on throughout this film so it's a really interesting film and i i liked it i thought it was a really touching love story you know, some of the melodrama hits a little obvious at times but the performances are so good that those moments they don't bog it down at least for me i was i was with the characters and this film the entire way through and you know it's one i would recommend definitely seeing
0: okay that's wonderful and that the title is angel angel fish excellent Okay, so the other thing that Courtney and I are going to talk about is uh, called the Young Creators Showcase. And uh, it's, it's a program of short films. It has gone rush. So it, it's on Sunday, this uh, Sunday, February 16th at 2 p.m. There's three films that, that really caught my eye in this one. I'd like just to start by saying that. These filmmakers, however young, new they are to the form, they really understand the short film form. That's very clear in this selection of shorts. There's very much an economy of style which really helps when you're making a short film uh, having everything really streamlined and in fact in some cases using like a more of an elliptical style which you know i think when we get to the last film i think that really comes into play which the filmmakers used to their advantage to pack an emotional wallop and pack a wallop you know it's a guttural thing you know. you'll see what i mean when we get when we get into the the nitty-gritty and i'm gonna just say briefly about do Turtles Swim in Maple Syrup by Paul Daniel Torres Canessa. This is a film about a student, a young Latin Canadian teen, who has almost completed his college application. Um, he's done it on his phone. And so this has reverberations for him in terms of the what happens, like the way he's attacked and the film gets stolen, and the choices he has to make. He knows who, who took it. So he has to make a choice what he's going to do because that event is very traumatic, as you, as we can all understand. It's very traumatic to him, so it makes him even question whether he's going to go through with it or not. But there's another option, which is, you know, to see if he can get it back, which is a dangerous option. So he's, like, really in a bind here. And, uh, like I said, that very streamlined style. Um, this this film has also got this, this kind of... It's stylized in a way that's really, really interesting. So it really draws you in to this crisis that this um, this young man is facing. So that's Do Turtles, Women, Maple Syrup. And No Crying at the Dinner Table by Carol Nguyen. She interviews her own family. And she interviews her family about something that they don't talk about. An event that has affected them all. It's uh, It's, in fact, intergenerational trauma. And... The honesty, it's quite it's over not overwhelming, but it's it is so striking this film because they trust her, they're talking to her, and it, it really, you know, it's very relatable in terms of family dynamics. So that's no crying at the dinner table. And so the the final film that we're gonna talk about is Pick by K. Harris. And it's about a young girl and it's Picture Day at school, and she decides to wear her hair in an afro and there's unexpected consequences simply because she wants to make her own choice
3: this one's um I really like this film and i've I followed alicia k Harris's young fledging career um, for a while now she's I think done three or four short films and I think she's just a, a real talent and'm I'm, I'm glad that she's getting showcased in this festival and and this film I think is probably her most personal to date of all the ones that I've seen and it's it really does a good job of showing you the, the microaggressions that women of color injure just simply because of how they wear their hair and, you know, the, the whole notion that if you wear your hair in an afro, it's it's not hygienic or it's not professional. You see the aggressions come from everyone, from her fellow classmates to teachers um, to a photographer. It's quite a powerful film in terms of the statement it makes, but it's done in such a effortless way that I, I really enjoyed this.
0: Yeah, I thought it was, this was a very powerful film. Like, it really got me, and I, you know, when I was talking about it, an elliptical style, like really streamlined, you know, she, Ali K. Harris, like she really packs an emotional punch with this one, not just because of the subject matter, but but by the way that she pairs the subject matter with this very striking elliptical kind of punchy style, you know, which by streamlining it, she really focuses on little details and tells the story. Uh, and that's where the, the emotional um, wallop came for me. You know, the little details within one shot, she tells you exactly how the other students are reacting to this this girl and her decision to wear an afro. And what I appreciate about the film is, is how much it says in 11 minutes.
3: Yeah, and everything is also governed through the, the prism of acceptance. So it's, you know, her having an afro is is problematic because you can't put a comb through it as easily as you can do her her good friend who happens to be a, a white girl, right? Like, it's the, the whole power dynamics and our standards of beauty in society are all governed through a white lens. So this is what this film shows, like, you know, from a, a young age. young black girls are taught that you're never good enough because you don't meet the white ideal standard of, of beauty.
0: Yeah, and the way that this film makes that clear is is really striking. It just, uh, I guess, it leaves me speechless. All right. So we're just going to end off the show with a short interview that I did with TIFF programmer, Steve Gravestock. There's a lot happening in and around TIFF this week. So Steve Gravestock is a senior programmer and along with being one of the programmers of the Canadian films, he also programs the Nordic cinema section of the Toronto International Film Festival. And to that end, being uh, the expert that he has become, he has written a book, A History of Icelandic Cinema. So there's going to be a book launch and a screening. It's coming up on Tuesday, February the 11th. So it's coming up really quickly. And it's presented by the Cinema Studies Institute at Innes College at the University of Toronto. Of course, with the participation of uh, TIFF and Game Theory Films. So what's going to happen? It's uh, The film is A White, White Day, which is, you know, an Icelandic noir. That's something that uh, Steve loves to program. And... The book signing will start at 7 p.m. And it's a free screening. Free screening will start at 7.30. So I recommend people get there early and and check out this this really interesting film. And so get a chance to get this book. It's a groundbreaking kind of a book. Nobody really has written about Icelandic cinema. And as you'll hear from the interview, Icelandic cinema has really taken off only, you know, since the 80s. Anyway, so I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let Steve talk. Here's my interview with Steve Grose. Okay, so Steve, uh, let's talk about the timing of the book. It's it's really relevant right now to to talk about Icelandic cinema, so, you know, talk a bit about that, please.
4: Well, it'll probably be always relevant in a lot of ways, but uh, uh, 2019, uh, when we actually got the book published, uh, was the 40th anniversary of the Icelandic Film Fund, now the Icelandic Film Centre, which is the... State, uh, basically the state sub- subsidy organization that allowed the industry to, uh, you know, uh, grow, uh, and establish itself both in Iceland and outside of the country. Uh, so that's an important date and 2019 was also the 100th anniversary of the The first film shot in Iceland, the first feature film, a film called uh, Saga of the Borg Family. And uh, 2020 is actually, you know, the anniversary of the release of that film and the 40th anniversary of the uh, first major productions funded by the Film Center or the Film Fund which were two key early hits uh, and established the first two major directors. The first two directors to really have substantial careers in Iceland, a guy named raffingen Logson, who made a film called Father's Estate and August Goodmanson who made Land and Sons, both uh uh, both dealt with a, uh, in very different ways, I think. Both dealt with the, uh, one of the key issues, uh, then and still now, I think, uh, which is the increasing urbanization of Iceland. Iceland used to be, for centuries, was essentially a rural, uh, m- most of the communities, most people lived in rural areas and were farmers. Or they were either sheep farmers, uh, primarily, or they were fishermen on the coasts. So, uh, you know, they were, they were, those films really dealt with the decline of that, uh, of that kind of lifestyle or the, the implied decline or the imminent decline. Uh, and one, I would say Father's Estate was was a contemporary film at the time, so it was a little more controversial and it also was, I think, a little more, um, sympathetic to the younger people who wanted to uh, Mm leave uh, those rural regions, uh, that even then where I think, and kind of decline. So uh, yeah, both very key films. And they really did sort of establish um, how the industry would look or what, what one of the prom- primary subjects for a lot of the filmmakers would be. Uh, I mean, a lot, of, uh, many Icelandic films have dealt with this issue. And even though the industry really started in the 80s, um, you know you can go back back to the silent period where they deal with you know the pole away from rural regions saga the Borg family actually deals with that um, girl go-go one of the big hits of the uh, 1960s deals with the uh, um, moral uh, separation between the countryside and city it's the first film to show Reykjavik as this kind of um, you know urban area possibly a corrupting influence on Icelandic youth uh, uh, um, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, it even goes back to, I think all of these films, what they really show is what's particularly unique about Icelandic uh, films and film culture is that the Icelanders were extremely anxious to see themselves presented on film. And when, when you factor in the fact that this, even though there were silent films and a, a number of films in the 1950s uh, and a handful of films in the 60s, The industry really didn't start till 1980, which is pretty late uh, for a film industry. It's even later than, say, English Canada, which really didn't start till 1950 and didn't really start in earnest till the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's sort of it's interesting, uh, the the, you know the fact that so many Icelanders wanted were anxious to themselves on screen, even though for the most part uh, their cinema had been. Dominated by American studio films, particularly in the 1940s and 50s after the uh, U.S. occupation there during World War II, and European films, uh, particularly Danish, since the Denmark was a long time colonizer of the country for many centuries. So I think it's sort of, it's really interesting to see that it's very much associated with Icelandic independence. Um, which happened in the, in the 1940s during World War II. Uh but I, that that impetus that, that need to see themselves on screen which I think is really quite unique. I mean the, their film industry exists despite the fact that they were essentially only seeing foreign films, uh only seeing English language films, uh primarily American films from, for many years.
0: Mhm. Yeah. You know, and and with such an interest in Nordic cinema and particularly Icelandic cinema now, with audiences right especially mm. during the festival when you program nordic films, um it must have been really difficult to choose one film for the launch,
4: oh yeah, well, I mean you know in the last uh you know uh, the cinema has been growing really since the nineties uh significantly when the, with the emergence of people like friedrich for Sor and later on Balthazar Kormakar, and when it became more urbanized and um uh... in the nineteen nineties and especially the two thousands Um but uh... in the last ten years i think there's been a real uh... explosion with films like woman at war and uh, grimmer uh... by Bre- uh... bennett alington uh... but also grimmer uh can hit uh... rams and this film, Leinar Palmason's film White White Day, which we're showing in conjunction with the book launch at Innis College um, is a real, really representative of that new sort of wave of younger Icelandic filmmakers but it also sort of harkens back to uh, some of those traditional themes that uh, pop up in Icelandic cinema because this is very much about you know, the decline of a rural area or the decline of a, a kind of figure that's associated with a rural area. The, the main character, played by Ingvar Sigurdsson, who's probably, um, if not Iceland's greatest actor. Um, uh, one of them, he was, of course, the main, uh, he was the lead in Jar City, Balthasar Cormacar's uh, sort of Nordic noir film from about 10 or 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really major performance. I think it in some ways is like an Icelandic affliction, but it's about a character who's, uh, left isolated and, uh, his only real connection to the outside world after, after his wife passes away is his granddaughter and it's about his sort of, you know, there's a kind of cabin fever element to it. Uh, a really powerful, uh, incre- extremely well directed film and, uh, I think one of the, uh, I think it'll probably win most of the, um, Uh, Most of the uh, Icelandic Oscars this year. So, uh, we're just a really, really key film by, I think, a major director. Uh, Liener Palmason's first film, Winter Brothers, which we also showed at TIFF, um, was, won all the, was actually produced out of Denmark, but was, uh, won all the major Danish awards that year. So, and this film is, is equally as good. And I, I think it really does sort of, just a major, major performance by Sigurdsson it wow. a great cast that's, all around, a real visual style to it as well.
0: Great. That sounds like such a great event, and I can't wait. Personally, okay. I'm going. So <laughs> oh, cool. I'm
4: really happy to be doing it at Innis College because that's where I started actually writing about film at the old Innis Herald. Uh, so, I'm, you know, we're doing with Cinema Studies Union, and we, uh, Game Theory Films, uh, uh, you know, brought White, White Day, and I think Backup Phoenix Book is, is selling some, some of the books there, and uh, I'm just really you know, happy it's, uh, happy it's at Innes.
0: Excellent. Okay. Well, looking forward to it, like I said, and, uh, thank you so much, Steve. Uh, thank you. Okay. So that was Steve Gravestock talking about the book launch and the film screening that is happening on Tuesday, February the 11th, coming Tuesday at Innis College. It's a free screening. You do have to buy the book, but Steve will be there at 7 p.m. to sign it for you. The screen starts at 7.30. And, yeah, you know, it's highly recommended. It's a great film, a white, white day, um, a wonderful Icelandic noir film. So that's it for Frameline for this week. Thanks for listening.